You are listening to the most comprehensive source for news and views about today's unions. This is LaborUnionNews.com's Labor Relations Radio and your host, Peter List. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Hey, thanks for turning on and tuning in to Labor Relations Radio. So we've got a busy week this week on Labor Relations Radio because we've got three guests lined up, and they are varied guests in terms of their background and what they specialize in. However, the first two guests this week are talking about the same overall topic, but from different vantage points. And we're doing a couple episodes this week on the War on Independent Contractors, That is the name of a subcommittee hearing that was held last week in Congress. And my first guest is a returning guest, Kim Cavan, who's a freelance writer and editor from New Jersey, who testified last week before this House subcommittee on the need to protect independent contractors across the United States from the proposed restrictions on the choice of self-employment. And she has been on uh, numerous times because I find her to be one of the most prolific educators about this issue of independent contractors, the disastrous consequences of AB5 out in California, and the proposed legislation in the PRO Act to impose the ABC test. So she was testifying last Wednesday in Congress along with our prior guest, from last week, Karen Anderson. I did not know when I had Karen on the show that she was going to be down in D.C. like two days later. In any case, here's Kim Cavan. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. Well, Kim Cavan, welcome back to Labor Relations Radio. Can I call you a celebrity yet? <laughs> Thank you for having me. And I don't know about that, but it was very nice to let to see independent contractors finally getting a seat at a table where independent contractor legislation and policies were being discussed. So I have a really important question for you. What is a union lawyer? (laughs) Oh, that's going to be a fun one for your listeners. So so for the listeners, this is somewhat of an inside joke, unless you are watching the hearing. And I'm going to play you a a quick soundbite in terms of what we're talking about. And this was at the hearing last Wednesday in Congress with Kim being asked a question and it offending a couple people. I recognize Mr. Burleson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, Ms. Cavan, I believe that's, I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I, I want to applaud, you know, your your effort, and, and, and you have a great resume here. But as the founder of the Fight for Freelancers, um, and especially in telling your story, it, it appears to me in listening to some of these hearings, and I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. It, but it appears that um, that the, the, the people testifying in the in the position of the Biden administration is that you just simply are not making good decisions for yourself in choosing to be a contractor is that the case not only that but 
I think it's noteworthy that in literally every hearing I have attended, whether at the state levels in New Jersey and California or at the federal levels, the USDOL hearings last summer, the U.S. Small Business Administration Office of Advocacy hearings last summer, the vast majority of participants who are actual independent contractors are screaming no and saying stop. The people who are showing up to push this on us are people like union lawyers, like the woman sitting next to me. I was expired. Now recognize Ms. Omar. Yep. Thank you, Chairman. Uh, thank you all for, for being here. Um, Ms. Bedin, are you a union lawyer? Um, or And also, is there anything that you'd like to respond if I gave you a few minutes? <laughs> no, I, I, I'll just correct the record on that. I am not a union lawyer. Uh, I work for a nonprofit. I am a union member, though. <laughs> I was as well. Um, and and I, I, I just want to say... So how did it feel getting castigated or corrected on the record by a non-union lawyer, union lawyer? Well, let's first establish for your listeners who was sitting next to me and what her resume is, and then we can talk about why that exchange was so fascinating. Uh, at the hearing, test- testifying right next to me was a woman named Laura Padine, who uh, got her start. She previously was the attorney at the Labor Union Coalition Change to Win where I'm reading directly from her own resume now, where she provided legal support to organizing and corporate accountability campaigns in many industries. She then joined the National Employment Law Project in 2018 as senior staff attorney and became director of work structures for the NELP organization in November of 2021. And if you look up where NELP gets its funding... It comes from the AFL-CIO, the Service Employees International Union, the United Auto Workers, the United Steel Workers, all these different unions. So she now is an attorney who works at a union-funded think tank. So what's really fascinating about that exchange is after I referred to her as a union lawyer, it didn't even take five minutes for Representative Ilian Omar, who is a Democrat and a progressive, uh, to come into the room and ask the question that you heard, are you a union lawyer? And for Ms. Padine to deny that she was a union lawyer, which Wait. tells you that we struck quite a nerve with what I said. Okay, so now I was watching this, and it was interesting, but was Omar not in the room when you said that? No, she came in either so she, she didn't even hear it. Either she or someone who has quick access to her realized that the Democrats needed to do some damage control very quickly and she came in and did it. That's interesting because you didn't see that if you're watching it. You know, I just assumed she was sitting there listening and that's why she asked the question. No, that is not how that went down. In fact, wow. I went I went back and watched the the tape because I obviously couldn't see myself testifying in the moment. And when I referred to Ms. Padine as a union lawyer, she didn't even flinch. She barely even blinked. So she knows her own resume. She knows who funds her organization and, and what she does for a living. And the fact that the Democrats felt to do such 
quick damage control. It, it wasn't so much the semantics of, you know, I called her a union lawyer. She has a different title now. That that wasn't what they were upset about. If you if you listened to Miss uh, Representative Omar go on, what they were upset about was when I said the only people showing up in hearings to push these freelance busting policies are people like union lawyers. Representative Omar then went on to say something like, uh, oh, we've seen gig workers all over the country demanding this. It's not just unions pushing right. for this. That's what they were really upset about was that we we finally got the truth out that hearing after hearing after hearing going back years now, uh, especially in California and New Jersey, it has been people like Ms. Padine showing up in hearings to push this stuff. And it has been real independent contractors pushing back and saying no. So following the hearing, um, and I, you know, I did not realize because you've been on, on labor relations radio several times and Karen Anderson happened to be on labor relations radio because I had had her on Monday prior to the hearing, not knowing that she was going to be at the hearing. And it was just, it was kind of cool that both of you were there and, and, uh, Leah, the, I not even going to try to pronounce her last name, but she is going to be on tomorrow. Um, who was also at the hearing. So one of the interesting things in watching is, and this is, I don't know that it's anybody's fault, except perhaps the questioners, you know, the Congress people asking the questions, there wasn't a lot of focus on part B of the ABC test. They did a lot to say that the DOL's rule isn't ABC, et cetera, but nobody really talked about the B part, which is the and I'm quoting somebody else who wrote about it years a couple of years ago, but the buzzsaw, right? That's what hurts the independent contracting model so much. Yeah, you know, it's it's a hard thing to do, right, to hold a hearing where the entire country is watching and maybe they've never even heard of the independent contractor issue. So you've got to try to get people up to speed on why the heck we're all there in the right. first place. And I think that Chairman Kiley, um, Representative Kevin Kiley of California, he used to be um, in the state legislature in California fighting this stuff at the state level, and he was elected to Congress. He's a new member of Congress who's chairing this committee now. I think he did a really good job of bringing in actual independent contractors like Karen Anderson and me to simply tell the story of what has been happening these past few years, because most of America doesn't know. So Karen Anderson from Freelancers Against AB5, she testified first about how this ABC test freelance busting policy went into effect in California and caused mayhem and chaos and was horrible and led to all kinds of problems that she detailed in her testimony. And then you had numerous other experts testifying. And then I came in at the end to testify that when New Jersey tried to copy the California policy, the, the ABC test policy, there was widespread outcry and backlash to the point that the bill died. They couldn't get it through in New Jersey. And then it resurfaced at the federal level in the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, which is why we were there today. We were there not only because these policies are being pushed in federal legislation like the PRO Act, but also because... As I testified, the U.S. Department of Labor is cheering what happened in California and trying to get as close to the ABC test as it can get without the United States Supreme Court calling it regulatory overreach. 
The USDOL said that itself in its 184-page monstrosity of a proposed new independent contractor rule. So I think that in trying to get just that basic narrative out to the general public, it's hard to then get into the weeds on what exactly is the ABC test, what are the different right. prongs of the ABC test. You know, people are just trying to understand, wait a minute, how did how did this happen? Why are we here? And I think the hearing was a really good opportunity. It, it was a good start to do that. And I do not see the Republicans backing down on this anytime soon. I'm sure there are going to be more hearings either in the House or in the Senate where we will be able to start to get into some of those conversations about the actual policy language. Well, and I think part of the impetus for um, Kevin Kiley doing the hearing was that Julie Sue's confirmation hearing was last week as well. And if she gets appointed to the um, Department of Labor as the secretary, she's kind of one of the architects of AB5, the ABC test. Well, not necessarily the ABC test, but AB5, which encapsulates the ABC test in California. And as well as the architect of the six-prong test that they're trying to do at the DOL, right? Yeah, which it's funny. The U.S. Labor Department specifically put a line into that proposal that says we are not doing ABC. But as someone very much more clever than I am said on social media, well, that's true. They're not doing ABC. They came up with a test that is ABCDEF. They just changed right. the words around a little and right. made it a little bit longer. And and you're correct, Peter. We, You and I have spoken in depth about those six factors they're proposing and how one of them is virtually identical to the, the, the chaotic part B of the ABC test that causes all the trouble. Yeah, and the I guess, you know, one of the questions that I've been thinking about since that hearing and then also the Sue confirmation hearing is that if she does not get the secretary job, where does she go? She doesn't go anywhere, right? I don't think she loses her current job. She's the number two person at the department now. The question is just who's going to lead the department. And, you know, given the types of people they have put up for these jobs, they're going to just find someone else. She's still the hand in the puppet in that case, right? There's no question um, that leadership in the Department of Labor is now packed with people who believe in freelance busting wholeheartedly. One of the top aides to the United States Senate primary sponsor of the PRO Act with this ABC test, she's now moved over to U.S. Labor Department leadership to do everything she can to get this freelance busting policy through there. You know, they're they're blocked the people who want to take away the choice of self-employment in this country, they're now blocked legislatively because we have a divided Congress with the Republicans controlling the House. It'll never get through right now. So they're going to do everything they can in the executive branch right now to try to push these policies through regulations that can just be imposed. That's where the, the next battleground is going to be, and that's why the Julie Sue debate uh, was mentioned in this hearing that took place one day prior to her confirmation hearing. It's all wrapped up in the same push to limit the choice of self-employment in America. If she stays in there, they've got whoever they would name as, as a potential secretary, if she doesn't make it. Um, have you heard anything by the way, as I, as I'm kind of thinking about this, I don't know that there's anybody potentially lined up yet. 
I don't have a name for you, but I would just keep in mind that President Biden on JoeBiden.com says he's going to make this ABC test from California the basis of all labor, employment, and tax law. So whoever gets nominated for this job is going to be ideologically aligned with freelance busting, not with protecting all of us who choose to be self-employed in the workforce. Right. I know one of the helpful things during the hearing was both you and Karen um, used examples of actual people that were harmed as a result of it. And, and, you know, you with the experiences you've had talking to some of the legislators or, or um, regulators in New Jersey, you know, it's helpful to know that's where they're coming from. They don't want people making their own living without being an employee. It's very frustrating, the things that we've all experienced. And I can tell you the people whose names we were able to mention, you know, you only get so much time. You want to mention everybody. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of members of these groups now trying to fight this. But, you know, I think we meant we were able to get maybe a half a dozen names in. And I can tell you they are some of them told me they were in tears that their voice was finally heard. It's it's been so enraging the way that legitimate independent contractors have been kept away from the table where policies are being written about independent contractors. And we are deeply grateful to Representative Kylie for giving us that seat and allowing us to finally have a voice. You mentioned a minute ago that um, you think there's going to be more hearings. Did, did they talk about that, either he or Fox? They did not. However, um, if you simply... Watch what's going on. You can see that the Republicans have figured out that, you know, 60 million Americans now earn some or all of their income as independent contractors. It's a third of the U.S. workforce. That's more than enough voters to swing any election. And what you saw after our hearing was people like Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell tweeting about independent contractors. You saw... Senator Mike Braun of Indiana, who's a Republican who's going to run for governor in the Hoosier state, uh, talking at a, at a different hearing on a committee about aging. He was talking about the need to protect independent contractors. We've seen Senator Tim Scott, who's a Republican who just formed a uh, presidential campaign exploratory committee. He introduced legislation to try to protect independent contractors. It is very clear that you can see the Republican Party has figured out that this really is a nonpartisan issue. Self-employed Americans are Democrats, independents, and Republicans alike, and the Republicans have seized on it, starting with this hearing that we were just in, and I cannot imagine they're not going to keep going with this. It's a winning issue for them. The right to choose to hang out a shingle and be your own boss that's what they're choosing to stand on the side of. It's it's smart policy and it's smart politics, and you can't blame them that for for you know. Look at what they named the hearing last week. It was called "Examining Biden's War on Independent Contractors." You can see right. exactly how this is going to go down coming up into the presidential election. You know, it was interesting. I I didn't realize who all the witnesses were until I tuned in. Um, but you. Two seats down from you, I think, three seats maybe. Next to Karen was the guy from NECA, and the North, uh, the National Electrical Contractors Association. David Long, yes. Yeah. So he, do you know who NECA is? I know that, um, 
Well, I know, first of all, they need a freelance editor because the cover page of his testimony had two typos in the name of his own organization, which I found very disturbing as a freelance editor. But um, what I was told about him is that he he's part of some big company that bids on very, very big contracts uh, in the construction world. Yeah, he's probably employed by a construction company. However, NECA, the association itself, is a employer association that negotiates contracts with the IBEW. And so as a result of that, you know, most of his employers in that association are unionized employers. And so therefore, you know, he's speaking from the union side on that because he deals with the IBW all the time. I found that somewhat interesting. NELP for people that have been around for a while, um, you know, the national uh, employment law project. I just looked right before we got on and I haven't gone through all the different unions, but the SEIU gave them $111,000 last year. So, and I'd literally pulled that up about five minutes before we got on. There's no question that NELP is a union funded think tank. And, and again, I, I just, or this, AstroTurf. Is, this is what we, um, this is what we talked about right at the top. When you played that exchange, it is common. It is predictable that the real independent contractors in any of these hearings are are saying no please stop trying to limit our choice of self-employment the people showing to showing up to testify on behalf of this stuff they always come almost always almost all of them come with union backing and and the whole country could see it right in front of their eyes and the fact that i just pointed it out live on the live stream seemed very upsetting to the other side it's amazing that Omar wasn't in the room, but she addressed it. <laughs> so There was a number of things that were fascinating at that hearing. Another thing that was really disturbing to me was toward the end of the hearing, you had uh, Representative Bobby Scott, who he's the chairman of the, the parent level committee of this subcommittee that held the hearing. And he is the primary sponsor of the anti-independent contractor bill in the House of Representatives. He's the primary sponsor of the PRO Act. He didn't even seem to know the difference between California's AB5 law and the ABC test language that underpins that law. Um, He tried to ask a question about the difference between AB5 and ABC to Ms. Padin, the the attorney from NELP. And even she went back to him and said, I don't understand the question. I'm going to have to get back to you. Everybody was shaking their heads thinking, how can this guy be the sponsor of the bill? It was disturbing to see that that the, the person who's the primary sponsor of this legislation that could wipe out all of our careers doesn't even in, seem to understand what's in it. Uh, to me, that was one of the most frightening things that I saw while I was there. That seems to be somewhat consistent. And I'm going to say this on a bipartisan level. Like Congress has become known for passing laws that they don't themselves read. And, you know, the PRO Act, I, I want to say it's like 40 pages or 50 pages. It's got a ton of stuff in there. And the ABC portion is only, you know, maybe three quarters of a page. And it's right at the top. It's You don't even have to yeah. read very far to get to it. Yeah. and it, But it's they don't understand it. And nor they nor have, will they engage on it, which has been our most frustrating thing, um, trying to get the Democrats in particular to simply talk to us about what this regulatory language means. And and the whole world saw me do that at the hearing last week, too. Um, after, they give you five minutes to make an opening statement. And I had practiced and left about 30 seconds in mine 
uh, truth be told, because I had to have some dental surgery and I'm missing a tooth right now, <laughs> and I was worried it would take me a minute to speak clearly. And so we left a little bit of extra time. Um, but I managed to get through it in about four and a half minutes, which meant I had 30 seconds left on the big clock that you can see right in front of the witness table. So I used that 30 seconds to speak directly to the top ranking Democrat who was in the room, who was sitting right there. Her name is Alma Adams. And I I told her that I agreed with something she had said in her opening statement. I, I was respectful. I was polite. I said, I agree with you that misclassification is wrong. And I hope that we can have a conversation today about the damage it's going to do if you misclassify 60 million Americans like me. Even with that direct attempt to engage on a live stream going out to the entire country, not a single Democrat asked a single question of any of the independent contractors who were on the panel that day. They just refused to even acknowledge that we exist, which is, it just continues to be incredibly frustrating. Well, and they, all of them have their talking points. And their aides hand them the talking points and they may, I don't even know if they practice it. They just, you know, say, you know, isn't it true that dot, dot, dot. And don't you think dot, you know, they they (laughs) fill, they fill the statements in and then, you know, they want the witnesses to agree or not. No doubt. That's always interesting to watch. Um, Did you have, was there any like off the record or off the cuff conversations with any of the Democrats afterwards or did they just leave the room? No, in fact, just the opposite. Um, I thought I was going to have one with the representative from New Jersey, Donald Norcross, who is the head of the Labor Caucus in the Congress. And he came in. He's not even a member of this subcommittee, but he came in right at the end. uh, And he got up there and said New Jersey had seen no pushback on its ABC test even though we had had hearings that went on for upwards of four hours with people testifying against this thing in New Jersey. Uh, His job was to come in, as you said, and read his talking points and whatnot. And when the hearing ended, uh, Representative Norcross came down off the dais and was coming right toward me. I I was sitting at the end of the witness table, so he came down on my side of the room and I was looking right at him, and not only did he refuse to make eye contact with me, but he kind of walked as far as he could on the other side of the aisle behind my chair so as not to even breathe the same air that I was breathing as he walked over to speak to someone else. So the the only word I can think of for the things these folks say about us the way they're trying to legislate against us and the way they treat us in the room, it just feels like you're constantly being treated with disdain. Well, you are because you're the opposition. Honest to God, we really are not. (laughs) If you look at the membership of Fight for Freelancers, we have said it again and again and again. We're a nonpartisan group. We have Left-wing Democrats, we have right-wing Republicans. As I testified, we've got members who voted for everybody from Bernie Sanders to Donald Trump. We have union supporters. We have union members in our group. We are just people who believe that in America you have the right to hang out a shingle and be your own boss if that's what you want to do. If that's what they're going to consider the opposition, 
then 60 million Americans are now the opposition to the Democratic Party's policies. That, right. that just seems like not just bad policy, but bad politics to me. Well, you're, you're gumming up the works. You're making it difficult to do everything that they want to do. And, you know, they've got powerful and, and powerful backers with a lot of money backing them. And so you're the, you're the gum and the cog in the wheel. No doubt. But again, it's why we were very grateful to Representative Kylie for inviting us there to at least get start to get the truth out about what's been going on and why it needs to be stopped. Right. Well, and I say this um, in an endearing way. Had I not known you, but I do know you, and watching the hearing and you had your hands folded on the table ever so politely, you're, you're mostly looking down, but I could... Imperc- is almost imperceptible that you're like shaking your head. <laughs> it's hilarious because I'm like, oh, she's doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to practice that sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You can take the girl out of New Jersey. It's hard to take the New Jersey out of the girl, I guess is what I would say to right. that. But we did, we did practice. It's and quite a lot of people in in the fight for freelancers Facebook group. You know, they were watching the hearing live and and commenting. And I went back and looked after, and they're saying I would have been screaming, I would have been cursing. How dare they say those things? You know, you could tell you wanted to. You just can't. The cameras right. are on you, and right. you you have to really keep your cool. And it's hard when they're flat out lying and not understanding what they're talking about. And, you know, you look at someone who's been a lawyer representing unions all her life and they just flat out say, I'm not a union lawyer. What do you, what do you, what do you do with that? You just kind of have to smile and know that there will be another day. Twitter exists. The truth will come out and you go on about your testimony. So let me ask you, this is an unprofessional opinion that I'm asking. Do you think they're doing it out of ignorance or malice? Well, according to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and a ruling that they issued last month, it is plausible that this lawmaking is happening based on animus rather than reason. That's what the court said, looking at what happened in California. Um, It seems to me, when you say they, why are they doing it? You mean Democrats or you mean people like Ms. Padin? Um, Probably more the Democrats. Are are they... Do they just not care? Is it something that they know what the outcome is going to be and don't care? Or is it just, you know, ignorance? I can tell you what our lawmakers in New Jersey told us. New Jersey is controlled by the Democrats. They control the Senate, the Assembly, and the governor's mansion. And when we sat down with top Democrats, several of them in the state, back when this was still at the state level a couple of years ago, and we asked, why is this happening to us? They said, it's happening to you because this is the number one ask of the AFL-CIO. The AFL-CIO is going into meetings with these lawmakers and saying, you will, you will get this anti-independent contractor language into regulations and legislation nationwide. That's what we want. You know, I, I guess the... Um and this goes to like another level, but are they not understanding the unintended consequences? It's like that Vox article. I I did that, you know, I just did a Google search, Vox, AB5 layoffs. And the one Vox article, which was right before, as right as Gavin Newsom signed AB5, was praising it, a win for gig workers. And then the next hit down 
on Google was Vox lays off all its freelancers. And it <laughs> so, happened just that fast in real yeah, time too, yeah. back in 2019. Like, I, are they I not think understanding you, this? I think that if you had asked me a couple years ago, is this an unintended consequence? Do lawmakers just not understand what happens when you restrict the right to choose self-employment? I could have bought that. I, I thought it in the beginning. A lot of us did. Uh, uh, people heard me testify about this last week where your first reaction is just disbelief. Like, this can't be right. Somebody's pulling my leg, fake news, whatever. You know, there's no way any lawmaker would be trying to wipe out my career. Who am I bothering? I'm not I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, but now it's been a few years. It's been more than three years since they tested this in California, and there has been nothing but destruction to most independent contractors to the to the income and career of most independent contractors. And there's been nothing but the need for more and more exemptions. And there's been nothing but voters coming out and saying no by margins of almost 60%. And there's been court case after court case of people trying to battle this back and put it back in a box and make it, you know, drop it at the bottom of the ocean where it can never be heard from again. So after all of that, is it reasonable to say it's an unintended consequence. I no longer think that. Now I just think the people voting for these things have decided that Americans who choose to be our own bosses are acceptable collateral damage in their attempts to satisfy the power brokers at the AFL-CIO. I don't, I don't think it's defensible any other way at this point. Just too much has happened over too many years for anyone to say, oh, I just didn't know. Right. You know, it's tying this kind of all together. And if you take a look at the what's happened in California with all the exemptions and they exempt this profession, but not that profession. And and I think Karen was talking about this a little bit. And you, I think you were as well. And then you go to, OK, if they can't get the PRO Act passed, if there's if there is a PRO Act, they're not going to be able to do all these little mini exemptions. Right. Because it's the law of land. And I think the case in California, the Ninth Circuit, was a 14th Amendment issue. Equal protection clause, yes. Right. And so, you know, what happens if the DOL puts theirs in? Are they going to go back and exempt certain professions? Because there it's more, it's less across the board. Then you've got, again, the 14th Amendment issue. No, like in fact, this- Chairman Kiley asked me this question during the hearing towards the end. He said, are there any exemptions in the U.S. Labor Department's current proposal to rewrite its independent contractor rule? The answer is no, there are no exemptions, nor are there any exemptions right now in the PRO Act. Yeah. Well, the PRO Act, I I would definitely see that, I guess, at the procedural level through the Department of Labor. I was curious if, what are they going to do? Are they going to exempt some, but not others? Similar to California? I don't know if they can, but then you, if they do, then you're setting up another constitutional argument. I think what's going to happen, I am confident that what's going to happen based on everything I see looking at the whole chessboard is the minute the Department of Labor drops its new rule, they're going to get sued to the high heavens by I don't even know how many different people will be coming at them from how many different circuit courts all across the country. Uh, Some judge will probably say we're going to issue a stay. We're not going to let this rule go into effect. And then lawyers are going to fight it out for a year or a year and a half, something like that, which will get us pretty close to the next presidential election, which, again, takes me back to my point. This issue is going to be part of the next presidential election. Right. 
Let me, this may be an unfair question. I don't know if you've got the data at your fingertips, but, um, and you've, you've gone through this on the podcast, but you also did this at, at the uh, congressional hearing. This issue affects a lot of women. And the, um, you went through some data based on studies. And the, the one thing that I don't know that the Democrats understand is a large percentage of their constituency voters are women. And a lot of them do freelance work, right? Especially since the pandemic. Yes. Uh, there's always been a lot of women who choose to be independent contractors. I actually was not even the first freelance writer to go to Congress and uh, to go up to Capitol Hill and talk about how empowering of a choice it can be to be a freelance writer. Gloria Steinem beat me to it in 1970 when she went up to the Hill and talked Mm. about how freeing it had been for her to get out from the sexist problems of traditional workplaces and she could instead earn a living as a freelance writer. So this is something that is not new. But it really did get kind of turbocharged during the Great Resignation, which was led by women to the point that Vice President Kamala Harris wrote an op-ed in the New York Times calling it a national emergency, how many women were, were quitting their jobs. And then you started to see the studies showing how many women were, were doing independent contractor work. They were trying to do work where they could control their day-to-day schedule. And at that point... You know, you start looking at the studies. There's been multiple studies that show this stuff, but one of the ones that I quoted from during the hearing last week, it just came out less than a year ago. It was UCLA Health, and they found self-employed women had 43% lower risk of reporting high blood pressure, 34% lower risk of reporting obesity, 30% lower risk of reporting diabetes, and all of this is compared to women who work for salaries and wages. Self-employed women were more likely to report getting exercise. They were more likely to report having a lower body mass index. You know, I don't think any of this is a galloping shock to anyone who's listening here today that when you get to be your own boss, you're in charge of your own day. Nobody's telling you what you have to do, when you have to do it, how you have to do it, where you have to do it. You feel better and you do better as I, as I testified last week. And that's why women like me are fighting for our careers. We are fighting against these policies that would take away our right to choose self-employment. I, I did not see Ms. Padin's um, reaction when he went through that, but you know, it's, it's hard to imagine they hearing those types of stats, you know, they would be so wedded to that cause given that, you know, it is political. Their argument which we agree with is that in some of the lower income professions, whether you're a salaried worker or an independent contractor, you're going to find people who are being misclassified. You're going to find people who are suffering from exploitation and need protection. We agree that that is wrong. We see the labor department almost once a week at this point, issuing press releases about how they're issuing fines and cracking down on those practices where people are being misclassified. Where people like Ms. Padin and I differ is that she seems to think misclassification is just fine when it is done to Americans like me. Our argument is that misclassification is wrong, no matter whether it's a company doing it to an employee or the government doing it to us. It's always wrong and it needs to be stopped. 
But there's there's really no middle ground that's being talked about. And, and maybe there is a middle ground. And I, I don't know what that middle ground is, except for, you know, the IRS used to have a, I think it was 21 step, you know, checklist, whether somebody's an independent or not. And that seemed to be okay. Yeah, the unions don't like that one because it doesn't let them unionize us. At the end of the day, the reason there's no reasonable conversation to be found here is because it is the goal of the people pushing these legislative policies, these regulatory efforts. It is their goal to reclassify as many Americans as possible as employees. If they could figure out a test that they could write that would get 100% of us to be reclassified as employees, right or wrong, they would do it tomorrow. The reason for that is because under federal law, since the 1940s, it has been illegal to unionize an independent contractor. We are allowed to hang out a shingle and be in business for ourselves. So as long as that legal distinction exists, they can't touch us. And they have, I'm sure you've done shows about this on this podcast, the union's Every year you see a new study coming out about how union membership is at an all-time low, while independent contractors are growing and growing and growing to the point that we're now a third of the U.S. workforce. So as long as that that remains what the union organizers see as a problem, our happiness is a problem that they need to solve in order to get more union members. As long as that is the case and they are the ones in the room writing the tests, we are looking at the Kobayashi Maru of classification tests. I don't know if anybody listening is a Star Trek fan, but Starfleet had a test that they gave to all the young captains. James T. Kirk went in and flunked it a couple of times and got angry when he realized the test was built for the cadets to fail. It was an unwinnable test. That's what these folks are trying to do. They're trying to write the Kobayashi Maru of classification tests to capture and ensnare as many legitimate independent contractors as possible so that we will become eligible for unionization. I'm going to have to look that up afterwards. (laughs) You're sending me down a rabbit hole this afternoon. (laughs) Well, if you're more of a Star Wars fan, I can tell you I just watched the season finale last night of The Mandalorian, and it ends Mm -hmm. with him saying he wants to be an independent contractor. I saw that. To fight on the side against, to fight against the dark side all across the galaxy. So, you know, it, this is the way. I'm happy to go down that road if you'd rather say this is the way. I'm, I'm there. Or you want to go back to Star Trek, we can say live long and prosper. Clearly, the good guys are always on our side in all, right. of, these, all of these wonderful movies and TV shows. So where do things go from here? We're well, waiting for the, the six-part test to come out. Yeah, so legislatively, you got a couple of fronts legislatively, and then we'll talk about the executive branch. Legislatively, you've got the PRO Act, which is dead in the water as long as the Republicans control the House of Representatives. Right. That's good for independent contractors. Um, What we are seeing at the state level in states where Democrats have control you are starting to see noise about they might want to try to push through California-style laws in those states. So you're going to see battles about this in states which have trifecta control by the Democrats, is my best guess. That'll Omar, be... Omar mentioned that, didn't she? She said she Michigan did. and Minnesota are starting to move in that direction? She did. She said it at the hearing last week. So you can tell they're not giving up yet 
legislatively. They're just going back to their original plan was to try to get it established in some of the states first, uh, which, again, we fought. We fought back. California was a disaster. Anybody who looks at this with common sense understands that this is wrong. But we all understand why it's happening. And so it's happening. So I think you're going to see that legislatively. Then in the executive branch, we are expecting the U.S. Labor Department to drop its new independent contractor rule. Originally, we thought it was going to be around June, maybe July, but now we're hearing it might come as early as next month in May. And at that point, it's going to move into the judicial branch because everybody's going to sue the Department of Labor and the Biden administration to high heaven. And then the lawyers will be battling for quite some time. Um, This is a related question. You might not be able to answer that, but if the Ninth Circuit, was that the Ninth? No, it wasn't the Ninth Circuit. Was it the case in California with the backroom dealing? Was it circuit or? It was. It was the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So is anybody appealing that to the Supreme Court? Do you know? There's a number of cases moving through state and federal courts in California and I'm not going to lie and tell you I can even keep them all straight at this point, but there are a number of cases in play with regard to what happened in California, and the big one, that ruling came down last month from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, just flat out saying this looks looks bad the way this law was made. This doesn't seem like it was based in anything rational. It seems like it was based in animus, and they sent it back to the other court to take another look at it. Okay. So it it may not end up to the Supreme Court until the DOL's six-part test gets challenged. That one could absolutely go to the Supreme Court because there's a number of there's a number of ways that you could sue over this. One of them being um when was it? A year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. There was a federal court case where uh, the USDOL made its first attempt to change the origin, the independent contractor rule, and they got sued in federal court down in Texas. And the the court in Texas said that the Biden administration's Labor Department had broken the law in the way that it tried to change its independent right. contractor rule. And the um, the phrase on that one, I believe, was arbitrary and capricious. Now, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to play one on TV or anything like that. But the basic argument was you didn't even give the current rule any time to see if you could, if it worked, if you could actually use it. And you're now trying to change it. It's too fast. It happened too fast. It doesn't make any sense other than you're just being arbitrary and capricious in what you're doing as as regulatory officials. And the court said, yes, that argument was correct. So I've got to believe at least one lawsuit that will come when this new rule comes down in a month or two, it will go right back to that court and say they're still being arbitrary and capricious because here is press release after press release after press release of the Department of Labor showing in the, with the current rule in place that it can prosecute real cases. And it does prosecute real cases of misclassification in all kinds of industries on a regular basis. So why are you changing the rule? Are you not just being arbitrary and capricious again? That's a pretty easy argument to make, and I didn't even go to law school. I like that. Unlike Miss Padine, but, I am not a lawyer of any kind. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what's what's the next steps for Fight for Freelancers? Well, we're getting a lot of compliments from people who are in positions of power to help us now. I think that 
What happened with that hearing last week was the world saw actual independent contractors, not just me, but also Karen Anderson and the other two women who were on our side for the panel. They saw us speak articulately. They saw us speak passionately and they saw us speak respectfully about what is going on. And I think that because we chose to take that approach in our tone and in the way we conducted ourselves that we are going to be showing up in a lot more places and everybody should stay tuned. Good. Well, if you recall one of the episodes we did, I think last year, I said, you need to be in Congress testifying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you called it Peter. (laughs) I'm glad it finally came about because I, you know, it's taken a long time for me and I've been involved in labor relations for forever, but it's taken a long time for me to understand it. And again, most people don't get it, but it's an ex- existential threat, I think is the term you use. It's but. really, really hard when you start talking about things like indica- independent contractor policy and misclassification under the National Labor Relations Act versus the Fair Labor Standards Act. I mean, everybody's eyes glaze over, right? Nobody right. wants to hear. What, what I'm now saying is this is about freedom of choice. We are hearing a lot of lawmakers yelling about freedom of choice in the doctor's office right now. We need to hear more lawmakers yelling about freedom of choice in the home office, too. That is what Fight for Freelancers is about. We are about freedom of choice in the home office, and we believe this issue should be nonpartisan. It should not be political, and that the attacks on our choice of self-employment need to stop. On that note, that's like a perfect ending to this. But well, you're you're welcome, America. You want sound bites? Call writers. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, that's well, and that's what it is too. It is freedom of choice, um, and you know, unfortunately, there are those on Capitol Hill and around the Beltway that want to restrict that. So I can tell you the funniest thing. Funniest. I don't know. If funny is the right word. The most memorable thing that happened to me on Capitol Hill last week was after the hearing, we went into, when you go into the bowels of these buildings in Washington, it's like a city down there underground. And they have a whole CNN level television studio set up underneath the House of Representatives, one of those buildings that the House members are in. And we went into one of those studios And we taped a little 15-minute segment. It was Karen Anderson and me with Representative Kiley, the chairman of the committee. And we did a little bit of an extended conversation. And I said things like I just said to you. I tried to put the issue into language that people could understand. We taped the segment. Everybody said cut. The cameras went off. And all the people running the cameras came over to us and said, oh, my gosh, we're independent contractors. This is about us. They're going to try to take our jobs away. How can that be happen? You know, once people hear it, if we say it in a way that they can understand, they are outraged. It doesn't matter what political party they are. They don't care if it's Republicans or Democrats who are standing up for them. They want to keep earning a living the way they're choosing to earn a living. So our right. job is to just keep doing what we did last week, what we did on this podcast here today. Try to use our skills as writers to make the point clear about what's going on. There is an attack on the choice of self-employment in this country. We are fighting for freelancers to stop it. On that note, Kim Cavan, thank you so much for coming back to Labor Relations Radio. Thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you again soon. You are listening to Labor Relations Radio. 
So that was Kim Cavan with FightForFreelancersUSA.com. And I'm going to leave several links under the audio portion of this episode, including the link to the Congressional Subcommittee hearing. Be sure to check it out because it was a fascinating exchange. And this issue, as has been mentioned several times or many times, affects about 60 million plus Americans who do some sort of gig or freelance work here in the United States. In any case, that wraps up another episode of Labor Relations Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. If you want to reach out, reach out on Twitter at Workplace Report. That's at Workplace RPT. Give us a call at 1-888-668-6466 or leave a comment under the audio portion of this episode. Be sure to stay tuned later this week because we've got a couple more guests coming on and I'm pretty excited about them. Thanks for listening. Wash my You have been listening to Labor Relations Radio. Hey, Labor Relations Radio listeners, this is just a quick reminder. If you enjoy Labor Relations Radio, make sure you share these episodes with your colleagues and make sure you and your colleagues visit laborunionnews.com and subscribe to our News Digest.